With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to Fair Territory and welcome to the final six days of the regular season. Should be rather interesting, but actually we have more clarity than I expected. The clarity is in the division races. Every one of those races is pretty much decided. Even the AL West, where the Rangers have a two and a half game lead. The Rangers are 86% now to win the division. Every other division is either decided or above that in terms of playoff odds. So we know pretty much who the division champions are going to be. What we don't know are the identities of the wildcard teams in each league. And the American League Big Series started last night. Justin Verlander was absolutely brilliant in Seattle. And look at the Mariners. They are falling apart here. We could have some clarity on the AL wildcard race by the end of the week, too, the way the Mariners are going. They are in the midst of a critical 10-game stretch to end their season. They are 0-4 to start that stretch. Got swept in Texas over the weekend, lose to Houston last night, two more games with Houston left, and then three with Texas at home to end the season. The Mariners are 8-15 in September. In this 0-4 run, their playoff odds have dropped, get this, from 65% to 28%. They need to win, and they need to win quickly. And let me show you how the final series are going to shape up for each of the contenders once they are done with each other. I'm talking about the Mariners and the Astros, the two teams competing for that wild card. Houston will be at Arizona. Seattle will be hosting Texas. So not an easy series for either team. And yes, I am granting the Blue Jays a playoff spot. They are pretty much there. So we're talking about Houston and Seattle for that final spot in the AL. The NL is a little dicier. And let's look at the standings as we get into this final couple of days here, because it's rather interesting in the National League, the wildcard races. Essentially, you've got three teams competing for two spots. Arizona, Chicago tied for the second and third spots at this point. Miami, a game back. Miami is unbelievable to me, by the way. 26th in runs per game this year. Fifth lowest run scoring production in the major leagues. Skip Schumacher has got to be a strong candidate for manager of the year. I've been thinking Council will get it, Craig Council of the Milwaukee Brewers, but maybe Schumacher slips in. So the National League, well, we're going to see some interesting things develop over the next few days. And let's look at the schedules for these teams because they all play six more games starting Tuesday. The Cubs, the Marlins, the Diamondbacks. The Marlins have... I would say the easiest schedule here at the Mets, at the Pirates. I know they're on the road, but they're playing two teams that are not that potent right now. The Cubs, on the other hand, uh, at the Braves and at the Brewers. The Diamondbacks at the White Sox for three and then home against the Astros. The most interesting thing developing is the fact that the American League looks like it's going to be wide open. And why do I say that? Because each of the teams that looks like it will be in the playoffs is flawed. 
The Orioles, right now, without Felix Bautista, the bullpen's not the same. The rotation, inexperienced as far as the postseason goes. The Rays, my goodness, they've got one injury after another going on right now. Brandon Lau is out. Rosarena, Yandy Diaz, they've got issues. Robert Stevenson's got a neck problem. On top of all of their other injuries, they're not at full strength. The Blue Jays, I sort of like the Blue Jays right now. They're playing better, finally. They're still 15th in the majors in runs per game, an average offense. Now, maybe that's changing. Vlad seems to be getting hot. Springer, too, but we'll see. The Twins, a dark horse team, in my opinion, but they've got to get Correa and Royce Lewis healthy. And then the Astros, beyond Verlander and Framber Valdez, do you like their rotation? No, you don't. So you look at all this, and finally I'll conclude with the Texas Rangers. Yes, their offense is fully intact again. Outstanding. They're scoring, they're hitting home runs, doing what they've done really all season when healthy. But their bullpen, we've seen it. It's not great. So I can see the American League being a complete free-for-all. And it's going to be really interesting to see, yes, without the Yankees, yes, without the Red Sox, and maybe without the Astros, at least going deep, who emerges from this incredible scrum. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The National League, we've thought for a long time, would come down to the Braves and maybe the Dodgers, maybe the Phillies too. And the Braves certainly look like an invulnerable team. Suddenly though, they're vulnerable. And they're vulnerable because of their starting pitching. Max Fried, back on the injured list. Charlie Morton, on the injured list, will miss the division series. Now Fried is likely to come back, but he's gonna come back on 15, 16 days rest. He hasn't pitched all that much in the last month, really, he had the one start after the delay because of his blister, came back through six innings, then went down again. We don't know exactly what Max Fried is going to be. Maybe he'll be great. Maybe that recurring blister will be a problem. Spencer Strider, his second half has not been as good as his first. Less consistent. Bryce Elder, since the start before the All-Star break, remember, he was named an All-Star. Starting with that start, right after he was named to the team, 5.40 ERA in 13 starts. So their rotation right now suddenly is not the force that we thought it would be, or at least it could be. It could end up that way if Morton comes back healthy for the NLCS, presuming the Braves survive the first round, and if Freed, of course, returns to form. The Braves' offense is what it is. It's great. But you can see a scenario now where the NL is much more competitive than it otherwise might have been if the Braves' rotation had been healthy. All right, now finally, to close out the first segment, I'm going to tell a little story. Bring it in. I'm going to tell you a little story. This is the kind of story we usually do and reserve for Inside Dish, but I've got sort of a special Inside Dish today, so I'll throw this one in here. And I was thinking about this the other day because the host of Foul Territory, one of the hosts, is a guy who 10 years ago, it turns out it was 10 years ago, Hit a foul ball that broke my finger. Now, let me set the stage here. 
10 years ago, 2013, the Reds and Pirates were playing in Cincinnati, final weekend of the season, in what was essentially a series that would decide home field advantage for the wild card game, back when there was a wild card game. Fox was doing the game. I was excited to do this game. Playoff implication, big time. Before the game, I shake the hand of said foul territory host, future foul territory host at that time, Todd Frazier. Todd Frazier says to me, dude, you've got little hands, man. Do you ever see me on foul territory with Todd? He comments on my hair. He comments on my shirt. Todd notices things. A lot of players are like this. Okay. So he says that. I don't think anything of it. Whatever. Game begins. About the third or fourth inning. It was early in the game. Um, on Twitter, reporting on Terry Collins signing a contract extension with the Mets. Now, when you're down in the field as a sideline reporter, you've got to be aware. Foul balls do come, and they come hard. And normally, I pick a spot to stand where I'm reasonably protected, covered. And I thought I was in a spot at Great American Ballpark where I was good. I was on the Pirates side, third base side, and it seemed to me that I was not going to have a problem as I kept my head down and tried to report this, texting, tweeting, the whole deal. People say, don't text while you drive, or you shouldn't tweet while you're a sideline reporter either, but things happen, let's face it. So about the third or fourth inning, can't exactly remember when it was, a screaming foul ball comes to me. My head is down. I've got my hand on the microphone, and the ball hooks. So I thought I was covered, but the ball hooked, and it nailed me. It hurt right pinky. I look down and there's blood everywhere. Whoa. Okay, this is an interesting situation. Now, I want to finish the game because it's a big game and my gosh, you get hit in the finger, you leave the game, it's kind of weak, right? So, in the Pirates dugout, the trainers helped me out. The athletic trainers gave me some towels. I just wrapped it up. Andrew McCutcheon at one point, then with the Pirates, his first run with them, hands me a glove or at least pretends to hand me a glove. It was all in good fun. I didn't think much of it, wrapped it up, told our producer, Carol Langley, do not tell Matt Vescursion about this. He was doing play-by-play. -play. Because Matt, we used to work together at MLB Network on the Hot Stove Show. Matt loves stuff like this. He would have been making fun of me the whole game. So it turns out we get through the game, no problem. After the game, I try to see the Reds doctor, but he's going home. So I go into the Pirates Clubhouse to see their doctor, and he stitches me up. It took 10 stitches. And it turned out it was broken. And I'm sitting there, and the doctor throws alcohol on the wound so he can stitch it up. And it's hurting. At this point, it's really hurting. But I'm in the Pirates trainer's room, place that a writer never goes in, by the way. But this was something of an emergency. And Justin Morneau, one of the toughest players in the game, Canadian guy, guy who played hockey, is sitting there. And he's looking at this, and he's kind of laughing. And I'm kind of dying. I mean, not dying, but I'm in pain. And I can't say a word because Justin Morneau is sitting there. And if I start crying like a little baby, he's just going to laugh and laugh and tell his teammates forever. So long story. Moral of the story is the finger gets fixed. Todd Frazier breaks my hand. And now we are partners on foul territory. Time now for the inside dish. This is the segment where I usually go inside a story I've written or inside a trend or a story developing within the game. And this week, as I promised, I want to do something a little bit different as we look ahead to free agency. 
I want to go through some of the players who might be spending their final days with their current teams and talk about their free agency and where they might end up. Who am I going to start with? You guys know who I'm going to start with. Shohei Otani. Now we know he plans to be ready on opening day to hit again. He won't be able to pitch in 2024 as he comes off whatever surgery he had. We don't know the surgery he had because his agent won't reveal it. This is a big secret. Whatever. Where do we think Otani will go? The Dodgers have been the favorite for a long time, or at least a team we thought would definitely be in the mix. I do not rule out the Mets. I cannot see Steve Cohen simply passing on Shohei Otani. And I would also include the Giants, the Rangers, yes, the Rangers, and the Mariners as at least possibilities. I still think it comes down to L.A. versus New York, Dodgers versus the Mets. The Yankees, I don't see them doing this. They've got already two $35 million-plus players. They can do it, of course. But at the same time, as I've said before, every contender, every wannabe contender, should be in the mix for Shohei Otani. Okay, we move on. Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman with the Blue Jays, maybe the most interesting position player free agent, if you don't count Otani. And he's a guy who hasn't had the best offensive year. He started off great then kind of struggled. But he is an amazing defender, a brilliant defender. And I want to show you something here that might indicate which teams should be the most interested in Matt Chapman. You look at these teams, these are where they rank at third base in OPS. Now, I don't expect the Mets to be in because they've got Brett Beatty, they've got Mauricio, they're going to mix in some younger players. Diamondbacks, Longoria will be off the books. The Phillies, they probably won't be on a third baseman because they'll keep Bohm there if Bryce Harper plays first base, but who knows what they might do. And then the Mariners, a team that, yes, could use some pop at third base. Now, I will warn people, as I always do, that free agency is unpredictable just because we have these teams that look like they need third baseman. Another team could enter the mix. Several other teams can enter the mix, trade their third baseman to get a space open for Chapman. We don't know what's going to happen. Those are just some teams that make sense. Charlie Blackman is a guy we don't talk about much. We don't talk about the Rockies much. He's 37 years old, but he has been with the Rockies for his entire career. I expect him to stay with the Rockies. He is a guy that is a 2008 second-round draft pick. That's right. He joined the Colorado Rockies in 2008, 15 years ago. He has expressed his desire to stay. I would not be shocked if they reach some kind of agreement at the end of this long-term deal that he is completing. Next on the list, <laughs> the likely National League Cy Young Award winner, Blake Snell. Now, if you're a team with a need at the top of the rotation, which is pretty much every team, Blake Snell looks really good right now. 1.20 ERA in his last 23 starts. That is Gibson-esque. He is a guy who is at the top of his game. I'll give you some teams where I think he fits really well. St. Louis Cardinals, hello, they need multiple starting pitchers. Boston Red Sox, need a top-of-the-rotation starter. The Dodgers, they're not going to re-sign Urias. We don't even know if Urias is going to play baseball again. Kershaw is uncertain as well. They need a top-of-the-rotation guy. Andrew Friedman, of course, goes back with Snell to Tampa Bay. Houston Astros, you can look at the state of their rotation. It's not all that great right now. Not as deep as it once was. The Phillies... If they lose Aaron Nola, the Orioles, if they are willing to spend the money, Blake Snell would be a perfect fit for the Baltimore Orioles. 
Josh Hader, Snell's San Diego Padres teammate. We haven't talked much about Hader this year because we haven't talked much about the Padres, at least in a positive sense. But Josh Hader, well, can you see Texas? I can see Texas. Second lowest save percentage in the majors. They need bullpen help. They just cannot seem to figure it out. That's the perfect fit for them. Baltimore, where it all started for Josh Hader. Could you imagine if you get Felix Bautista back, which I don't expect. I expect he's going to need Tommy John surgery, in which case the Orioles need a closer. But just imagine in the future, Bautista, Hader, and Yenier Cano. That's a pretty good bullpen. One other team I would think might be in the mix here, might, the Atlanta Braves. It's a team that doesn't have a clear closer, or at least one as dominant as Josh Hader. Cody Bellinger. Now, the place Cody Bellinger should sign, actually, let me put it this way. The team that should sign Cody Bellinger is the team that currently has him, the Chicago Cubs. He has meant an awful lot to their offense. They are on the rise. They need Bellinger to be an anchor, as he has been this year. But a team that a lot of people are going to talk about, the Yankees. Now, the Yankees' offense, not athletic, not really much at all that we like. Fourth lowest OPS against right-handed pitching. That's the key stat. They don't hit righties. Cody Bellinger, left-handed hitter, hits righties. He'd be a perfect fit in Yankee Stadium. Aaron Nola. Now, he's a guy who's had kind of an inconsistent year. I wonder where he's going to be as a free agent. I don't know that he's going to be in the Rodan territory, this $160 million range. I don't know if that's going to happen for him. But let's look at something here that shows you why Aaron Nola will appeal to teams. Innings pitched since 2018. Garrett Cole, 1,067 and two-thirds. Aaron Nola is just nine innings behind him. And then there's a gap to the next two on the list, Jose Barrios and Zach Wheeler. So Nola has been a workhorse. Now, he's had some brilliant moments with the Phillies. He's had some rocky moments. But he is a guy who is a top-of-the-rotation starter when right. So certainly, I can see a lot of teams wanting to get in on Aaron Nola. All of those teams that I mentioned that need starting pitching, St. Louis, Boston, you name it, right down the line, the Dodgers, the Astros, they all should be on Nola. The Phillies, I would imagine, would entertain bringing him back as well. His postseason is going to be important for him. Because he's had this kind of inconsistent year. If he puts it together in the postseason, people are going to see the good Aaron Nola, the Aaron Nola that he's been for most of his career, and they will be intrigued. Finally, Joey Votto. Joey Votto, we saw the send-off in Cincinnati the other day. It was beautiful. And it was something that Joey Votto deserves. Like Blackman, he's been with that team his entire career. The question is whether he wants to continue and whether the Reds if he does want to continue, would be interested. He's got a $20 million club option for next year. They're not picking that up, not with the production where it is this year for him. $7 million buyout. Could I see them working out another one-year arrangement with the buyout somehow figuring into the overall price? Yes, I could see that. Kind of depends on Vado, though. And he had an interesting comment the other day when he completed his home schedule with the Reds, and he said, you know, I don't know how much it's the shoulder surgery, affecting my performance, and I don't know how much it's me, and this is who I am now. That's what he has to decide. But Joey Votto, if he plays again, it has to be for the Cincinnati Reds. Come on. You cannot see Joey Votto in another uniform. All right, dude and dork of the week. We've got some good choices this week, but I think 
the winners are fairly obvious. Dude of the Week earned his 200th victory. Took him a while to do it, but Adam Wainwright got to 200. It's been a trying season for him, trying season to get those five wins. Wainwright, even after that brilliant performance against the Brewers to get to 200, 7.40 ERA, 973 OPS against. But you see here, waving his cap, to top it off the way he did, to get 200 by shutting down the team that is going to be the National League Central champion, that was really cool. And people around the game love and respect Adam Wainwright for the brilliant career that he has had, for the person he is, former Roberto Clemente Award winner. He is just someone you want to see succeed. Great to see him get to 200. It would have been fine if he ended his career at 199. He still would have had a great career, but all the better that he gets what Cal Ripken Jr. used to call the big round number. Dork of the week. This team seems to fill up this category on a regular basis. Their owner, their play on the field, their antics off the field. And this week, I can't say this topped all of the other things that they've done this season, but it certainly was fitting. The Oakland A's gift to Miguel Cabrera for his farewell. All teams have been giving Miggy a gift. It's his last season. Great farewell tour he's had. And here are the Oakland A's, and there's manager Mark Kotze, and don't blame him for this, giving Miggy a bottle of wine. Initially reported on Twitter that that bottle of wine was worth about $96. John Shea of the San Francisco Chronicle had a story yesterday saying, no, 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 no. It was actually a $200 bottle of wine. And the A's had cleared it with the Tigers that they could give Miguel Cabrera a bottle of wine, even though he is a recovering alcoholic. Other teams had given him similar gifts. It's ceremonial. The Tigers said, no problem. You can do that. Other teams have. Miggy's good with it. Okay. That part of it's fine. But $200, not so fine. And my goodness, how about a case of wine? How about showing a little bit of effort when you give Miguel Cabrera a farewell gift? The A's, their owner, John Fisher, they've shown no effort in any regard this year. The only effort they put forth is the one to get to Vegas. And they're going to get to Vegas. Okay, great. But my goodness, Oakland A's, dorks of the week again for their lame, and I repeat, lame farewell gift. To Miguel Cabrera. Hey, keep cool as it cools off by protecting your eyes with our new sponsor, Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that has a world-class product that is just as good as the expensive sunglasses that are out there. They have durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, and what really separates them is the best protection plan in the industry. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair with no questions asked. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. So you can buy and wear your Shady Rays knowing, having the confidence that they have your back. From building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is helping communities all over the place. Shady Rays now giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code F-O-U-L for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Time now for Grilling Ken. This is the segment of the show in which I answer your questions. Let's go to the first one this week. And it comes from Luis Frias. 
Do you think that Bob Melvin will be back with the pods next year, knowing that the relationship with Preller is unfixable? That line, unfixable, that word, is directly from our story in The Athletic last week that detailed the Padres' dysfunction, what one player called an institutional failure. And in that story, which I co-wrote with Dennis Lynn, we detailed the rift between general manager A.J. Preller and manager Bob Melvin. Now, where this goes is unclear. The Padres CEO, Eric Rupner, went on the radio in San Diego after the story came out and said, when a team falls short, everything gets laid bare. And what he meant by that was everything has to be looked at, everything has to be assessed and analyzed going forward. So the Padres are going to take a look at where they are as an organization. They're going to assess A.J. Preller and Bob Melvin and make a determination at that point which one of them stays, which one of them goes, if that's how they want to do it. Maybe both stay. It's hard to imagine that happening. What I can imagine happening is at least one of them not being back with the team next year. We'll just have to see how it all plays out. Good question here, Michael. Can you explain the typical motivation behind a mutual option? Team wants a club option. Players want a player option. A mutual option seems like a compromise that neither side is happy about. Michael, again, great question. And you often see these mutual options, and you might wonder as a fan, why do they even include these? They're almost never exercised. If the player has a great year, the club exercises the mutual option. The player says, no, I'm going to become a free agent. If the player has a down year, the player says, yeah, I'll exercise the mutual option. I want to be back at this number. And the club says, no, you can become a free agent. We don't need you. So they're almost never exercised. And I went back in time to a story on ESPN.com by Sam Miller in 2017, which did a great job detailing the motivations for mutual options. And the biggest one usually is to simply defer money into next year, to attach a buyout to that mutual option to be paid later. The buyout doesn't come right away. It can be paid at a later date. Other parts of this include creating a connection with the player that gives you Groundwork for a future negotiation, that's a motivation too. And finally, Sam wrote this, it makes a player feel better. It gives him some idea that the team does have interest in him beyond this year. And it can be viewed in that sense as a win-win, though it almost never turns out that way. So those are the mutual options. We'll be hearing a lot about them this offseason again, as we always do. But nah, don't take them too seriously. All right, the final question this week comes from Riley, and Riley asks, Hi, Ken. If you were trapped on a deserted island for a year and could bring three books with you, what would they be? Well, if I was trapped on a deserted island for a year, hopefully I'd be able to read more than three books, but here are the top three that I came up with. The first, Lonesome Dove. Larry McMurtry, a classic, a Pulitzer Prize winner for fiction. Lonesome Dove is 843 pages about a cattle drive, and you can't put it down. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Of course, it became a movie and television series, whatever, after that. But the book is where it's at. Second book, an author who I met over the years, one of the most brilliant journalists and authors of our recent times, Richard Ben Kramer. Now, Richard Ben Kramer wrote a biography of Joe DiMaggio. He's written a couple of other sports-related things as well in his career. But the book I love from him most, What It Takes. What It Takes is a story of the 1988 presidential election. It's a journalistically written story. What I mean is it's involving a lot of reporting 
behind the scenes stuff, just telling what's going on with all of the different candidates. It was Dukakis, it was George Bush, it was Gary Hart, there were a number of candidates in there. Joe Biden is in there as well. There is no political bent to this book, okay? So don't even go there with me. But it's a fascinating story of a presidential campaign, which is actually something I've always sort of wanted to cover because a presidential campaign has some similarities to a baseball season. There's an ebb and flow. It has a definitive time frame. It's just kind of interesting to me. All right, final book. Yes, I'm going to go with a baseball book here. Lords of the Realm is one of my all-time favorite books, but I'm going to pick Moneyball. And you might say, Moneyball, eh, come on, it was not that good. It was just really about the Oakland A's, and it left out some things. It didn't focus enough on Hudson and Zito. Yeah, I know all the criticism. But if you read that book by Michael Lewis, one of the brilliant authors ever, Michael Lewis not only tells the story of Billy Bean in this book, which is a great story in itself, but he does it in an entertaining way that few writers anywhere can capture. It's just a great read. And I frequently go back to Moneyball as a reference point for some stories. I do that, but I also just read it for the writing because I love the writing in that book. And yes, it became a movie with Brad Pitt, but the book is where it's at. And yes, you can complain about Moneyball, you can complain about analytics, complain about anything you want. I'm just talking about the quality of the writing, the quality of the book. It is a great book. Looking ahead this week on Fox, we've got the Rangers at the Mariners in what should be a very important game if the Mariners can figure out how to win, maybe, you know, make it kind of interesting. This series is one that we've been pointing toward all season, really, as this AL West race has shaped up. Now, as I said earlier, the Rangers are in a commanding position for the division title. Who knows? That could be a clincher by then. It also could be the Mariners' last stand. So it should be a really interesting game coming from Seattle on Saturday on Fox. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. You know where to find us, YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Like us, subscribe to us. We will be back next Monday, wrapping up the regular season and looking ahead to the wild card round, maybe some awards talk as well. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.